Welcome to the Crush Your Mountain Podcast. I'm Henry Gaskin, Certified Health and Life Coach and CEO and founder of Christmas Transformational Coaching Service based out of Raleigh, North Carolina, helping people everywhere to improve their health, wellness, and personal growth. In each episode, we'll cover subjects dealing with those topics, and you'll hear personal stories of individuals who've confronted mountain-sized challenges and how they succeeded against them. You'll also get tips on improving your health, creating your wellness, and finding your path. I believe that we are all in a stage of becoming. The challenge is to be intentional about outcomes. My goal is to help you to conceive and commit to your goals, refine and rework to achieve the best step forward, undertake your path with courage and determination, sustain the practice in the face of obstacles, and habituate the process for your ultimate success. It's time to take charge of who you are becoming and create your best life. Welcome to Crush Your Mountain Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Crush Your Mountain Personal Growth. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to refrain. I'm going to try very hard to refrain from making any Captain Ahab references, any so any any whale references or shipping references, and I'll tell you why. Because the person that we have with us today has a connection to all those things. Let me ask you a question: What does Moby Dick, Anthony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, and a large company that deals that that that, that deals with jewels have in common? Well, if you said Gordon D. Melville, you would be correct. Let me tell you about him. He's a direct descendant uh, five generations deep of Herman Melville, the author of the adventure classic Moby Dick, hence the references. Gordon D. Melville is a founder and CEO and chief catalyst strategist guide of Jewel. That's spelled J. E-W-I-L, Jewel International. A dig- he's also a digital radio host, podcaster, and TV personality of the long-bearded guy. You'll find out why that is in a second, too. He's a high-performance mindset mentor, best-selling author, and keynote speaker who teaches entrepreneurial men to navigate men- uh, mental awareness and health in a world of judgment and toxic masculinity. He's worked with the likes of Grant Cardone, Anthony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, and has developed his own coaching specialization. When he's not writing, podcasting, or coaching, he can be found focusing on his spiritual health alongside his wife of 30 years and three young sons. Let's get to know what it takes to avoid toxic masculinity, learn from the best in personal growth and step out of the shadow of a literary giant into his own greatness. Let's welcome him. Gordon D. Melville, welcome, welcome, and welcome to Crush Your Mountain. Thank you so much, Henry. I really appreciate that. That was amazing. I appreciate that introduction. It's a pleasure and an honor to be with you today. 
Well, I'll tell you what, it's certainly a pleasure and honor to uh, have you with us. You know, you've done so much, and I just want to jump right and just ask a couple of questions, uh, if you don't mind. So tell Please. us, first of all, about JUUL International. JUUL, uh, that's an acronym. J-E-W-I-L is an acronym for Jandon, which is our my wife and my company. So it's J-A-N, her name's Janessa mm -hmm. and Gordon. So J-A-N from her name and D-O-N from mine, so Jandon is our family company. So then Jandon Empowerment with Intention Life Coaching. Wow, that's pretty And our tagline is we polish the diamond within the jewel that's inside of us already that we just have to, we have to find and then polish, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, everyone, everyone has that, you know, and that's the first thing is to come from that, that from that place of seeing everyone as beautiful, seeing everything as wonderful. The idea is you know, we're, none of us are broken. We're just not right. finished. So Absolutely. We have to figure out uh, what we need to do to get to our finishing line or to get Absolutely. to the, get the finish that gives us yes. the shine, right? That's right. So as, you, know, you deal with entrepreneurial men who are in this area, in this field, of, and, and they have to navigate through Toxic person, that toxic masculinity. I heard um, Lewis House. He actually had a uh, book out about that. Could you please tell us about toxic masculinity? Um, how it shows up, not just in the business area, but also in the workplace, and what can be done about it? Well, you know what? It's something that I think we were. It was bred into us. So the paradigms that were put into us as children. So you watch people and for a lot of us from for a certain ilk uh, of a certain age we were taught don't show emotion don't show you know don't look weak don't cry and that built a paradigm in us that that allowed us or forced us into a space where we would still have the emotions everybody else has um both both sexes all the all the all the people have the same emotions but we were taught not to acknowledge those emotions and just to push them down and push them down so we would hold that dis-ease in our bodies and it and it causes us to be sick it makes us sick the other thing we would do is is guys tend to put our emotion in a box and we put it on the shelf because we were taught don't don't deal with that don't show it the challenge with that is the toxic part is that it's making us sick holding the dis-ease in our bodies makes us sick putting those emotions on the shelf and not dealing with them the challenge is we still have the pain from those emotions so the toxic part becomes, how do I deal with the emotion? I'm trying to cope with the, the pain of those emotions in a way that is, uh, whether it's society or whether it, it meets the paradigms that I have been set up in us. And so we, we start to drink or we do drugs or we gamble or whatever. Now I have a vice on top of the problem because it didn't take the problem away. So what, what I tend to teach or not tend to, I, we do teach tools and strategies to be able to deal with regular emotions we all feel every day, stress and, and, and anxiety and depression and regular, regular stuff. Not, it doesn't have to be deep depression. It doesn't have to be suicide or PTSD or schizophrenia. It doesn't have to be that end of the scale. Maybe it's just something light on the other end of the spectrum. And, and so being able to deal with those things in a positive way, there are positive ways to deal with stress and anxiety. And so it's not outside the box thinking it's, burn the box it's it's eradicate the box just find ways and we like i say we we teach people specifically uh my my avatar and my heart is for entrepreneurial men because that's what i am 
but I do it with, with everybody, men in general, and then people in general. Um, I've had women as clients, lots of different people as clients. So, um, but because I think none of us have the market cornered on all the tools that are available or all the strategies, we can always learn some more strategies. We can always learn to put some other things in our toolbox that can help us be effective when we get into a situation. So, you know, that's my mission is to have a meaningful connection with more than 10 million men globally in the next 24 months with a message of hope that says there are ways to deal with in a positive way, stress and anxiety and depression, the things that we all feel every day so that we can move forward and so we can reduce the depression, the, the, the incidence of depression, reduce suicide rates, uh, which are uh, skyrocketed because of COVID and because of uh, isolation and because we're, we've been left without ways to deal with some of those things. So that's the toxic part uh, in terms of masculinity and women, not that we have the market cornered on that, but a lot of times guys tend to not deal with their emotion or have emotional intelligence at the same level as a woman. For some reason, women seem to be way more in touch with their emotions um, and, and whether we like that or don't like that or believe that or don't believe that I was with a, a friend not that long ago in a restaurant and I was sharing that with him and he said, I don't think that's right. And I was like, wait right here. And I stood up and walked over to three different strangers, women in the room in the restaurant that I didn't know and just said, Hey, I'm doing a quick survey. How are you doing? And they told me shockingly, they told me the, the third lady told me she'd been diagnosed with cancer three weeks before. And, and I got back to my table and my friend's like, I can't believe that woman just told you something so personal. And it's because they're connected. They're, there's no shame or embarrassment attached to that. And so, you know, guys will open up, typically will open up only in a space where they feel not judged and safe. And so trying to create that kind of a situation, create that kind of a space for, for, for guys in particular to be able to open up and share. So I get transparent and vulnerable they typically will get transparent and vulnerable. And, and we need that to happen more and more and more and more and more so that we, we don't run away from the stories. We don't run away from our, our emotion. We need to be able to, to embrace, that, embrace that head on and be able to move past it. Would you say that it's a primarily Western practice or culture that, 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 that manifested? And the reason why I ask that is because Going back through ancient literature and even observing various cultures in on in in the East, um, you know, men give way to tears. You know, uh, uh, more often, men uh, tend to share more often. Um, now, granted, there's still the 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 degrading and dare I say downgrading of women in certain cultures and various cultures. Uh, but just, you know, among men, say for instance, um, here you see men walking arm in arm and walking hand in hand, that, that sends a certain message, kind of a rainbow message, if you will. But in um, outside of the Western countries, uh, you find that good friends, who are closer than brothers, they do that. And you know, they embrace each other. In, in Greece, in India, in so many others, the men are dancing together, you know, is part of the thing. There, there's, there's, the, there's the man dance, there's the women dance, then there's the community dance. 
-hmm. you know, but, you know, and, and you see that, you know, they say that the, and I think it's the King James Version, they say that the uh, shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. You know, he's Absolutely. not the only one, not the only man that wept, that weeps in the Bible. True. And as we read in, in throughout the, the Iliad, the Odyssey, you see where men give way to tears and they do that. Right. But here it's a different story. True. Well, and, I think certainly to your point, I think there's certain um, certain subjects are taboo in certain places there's there's places in europe where where nobody thinks twice like you say about guys hold, holding hands or arm in arm or what they don't even think twice about it or are they rainbow no they're not they're just really good friends it, it became a thing for me when i started to tell my friends i loved them that uh some of my friends guy friends were like what <laughs> wait a, wait all right wait a second and i'm like no 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 i i love my wife i, I love women way too much but for for that to, to for that environment, but this, the point is, there's nothing wrong with that environment, but our sexuality on the Western world, we don't want to be perceived, other than what we think we are in terms of sexuality, in terms of our emotions. Being able to show love that's it's not I want you love, it's you're a human I'm a human, uh, that right it's basic agape it's basic. You're, we're both humans. Uh, I can love you, and and Papa loves you. Papa loves everybody exactly the same way. So you know what? Um, unconditionally loving somebody, I don't think is a. Uh, I think it's it's in the West. It's adverse in the sense that they don't they don't embrace that the same way. Well, if you don't think like I do, or or talk like I do, or believe what I do, then I can't love you, and they withhold that right. But but on a on a deeper level, I think certainly certain cultures, I'm thinking um, um, Asian guys, Asian, Asian people will repress everything, guys and girls, everybody will repress their feeling because it's an honor society. So it's a, I'm not supposed to feel that way. So I'm not going to acknowledge it's, the, it's still there. I'm just not going to acknowledge that it's there. And so they, again, it, there's reasons they get sick. There's reasons why there's, um, there's a very famous uh, space in Japan, a forest in Japan, where it's very popular to commit suicide in that one forest. And so, you know, people go, well, they don't have the gun problem. You're right. The U.S. has that specific to the U.S. in terms of gun violence, specific gun violence. But, you know, in some of those places, uh, knife violence is ridiculously high because, right, where they don't have access to. So, some of that stuff is just, I think sometimes our access to, so we're in the heat of the moment in, in, the, in the space, if we have access to some of those types of things that can, we can lash out with in the heat of the moment causes wax of difficulties. And because a lot of those, um, some of those cultures, because it's repressed and they hold it inside, it spurts out in other places and it causes challenges health-wise. It causes challenges where, you know, they push it down. We even here, we push it down and push it down and push it down and push it down. And then something small happens, but it's kind of this straw that broke the camel's back and we explode all over the place. And we're like, well, that's, you know, you, that, that's, that wasn't needed. That wasn't, but it wasn't that one thing. It was a buildup of a whole bunch of different things that we just hadn't dealt with. And it's just the, the dam breaks and it explodes all over. So 
being able to acknowledge and show up 100% authentically as ourself and know, courageously and know there isn't going to be judgment. People will wear a mask and not show up that way because they want to be able to conform. They want to be able to not disappoint people. So meet expectation of other people. And that's a recipe for disaster and, and angst and anguish and all these bad things because we're, we're never ever going to live up to a human's expectation of who we're, who they, who we think they think we're supposed to be. It's, it's right. We're, we're, we're chasing somebody else's dream. We're chasing somebody else's act. We're not even living who we're meant to be. We're not living. We're not accepting who we're not accepting ourselves, let alone to be able to show up as who we are and let the chips fall where they may. If, if people, you know, when I first shaved my head, even, even relatives said to me, one in particular I'm thinking about, uh, put my face in her hands and said, hey, I hate your hair. And I'm like, you know what? Good thing I didn't do it for you then. I did it for me. So, but, but being okay with that. If they like it, great. If they don't like it, great. It, it, it doesn't change what is. And so uh, I think sometimes we're trying to meet somebody else's expectation or live up to that. And it, it's, it's a fool's errand. It really is because it just makes us sad and torments us inside because we can't we can't be who we are. You know, that's so true in so many different ways. When we think about the fact that as people, we do our suppressions. And in doing so, we wind up expressing pain, mm. our pain, right. in a physical way against someone else. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the, the world at large uh, the media at large takes advantage of that and lumps pain-filled people together, mm. builds up that negative energy, and then aims it right. in many cases. And it's yeah. really sad, you know. But you've had so many, um, so many different teachers and and mentors in the world, some of whom I've crossed paths with. Tell us about your work with Grant Cardone. Grant, I was blessed to run into him early in my, I spent 20, about 25 years in the automotive industry, uh, retail, and about uh, three months or so into my car selling career, I got to see Grant uh, in Detroit, and um, I was all excited about that. Um, I wasn't sure who he was at the time, I was young, and I went to see him and, and he took me from being a 12 car a month guy to a 40 plus car a month guy. And so I was using his information very, very successfully. And his people came to me and said, hey, uh, I was headhunted to go and work with them and teach grants, theologies and, and selling techniques and whatnot and do in-house training and market grant. And I said no initially. Uh, but after a little bit, my, my relationship with my wife had deteriorated and not, we needed to be separated for a year to get divorced. Um, on, a, on a happy note, the separation brought us together. It didn't push us apart. And we've been married more than 30 years now. So that's good. And she would tell you that saved our marriage. But um, I got that I was gifted being able to spend three and a half years directly with him, um, uh, marketing him, teaching his stuff. And then the other gentleman that, that I got connected to through that was Zig, uh, Zig Ziglar. And so, um, you know, he, he was one-on-one -on -one, uh, in the same room and, and, and did a lot of teaching and coaching and mentoring that, that put me on a, uh, 
um, that put literally put me on a personal development path that I probably wouldn't have gotten onto, um, certainly not that early anyway. Uh, so that's why I refer to it as blessing because, you know, Papa let me have something that started me in a phase and into a, into a place that put me in a, on a path to be able to help other people, which is ultimately what he wanted, but that I wanted. That's okay. That's all right. So Zig Ziglar, and from Zig Ziglar, you even got worked with Anthony Robbins. That, um, and that's kind of where we kind of crossed paths, so to speak. Uh, Anthony Robbins, uh, I had the privilege of learning a lot from him, especially in terms of the reframing technique that I even use to this day with many of my clients. Uh, you know, and we'll get into our different techniques and, and stuff in a little bit. But um, how is it like working with, with, with Anthony, Anthony Robbins, the, the personal growth giant? And I mean, literally seven foot tall. He is tall. Um, well, and he, I, I'm certified as a life coach, half a dozen disciplines, modalities through Robbins Madonna's, which is Chloe Madonna's and Tony. Um, and, and Tony is a, incredible human being but but larger than life type guy um and so some of those things are things that he taught i i find it interesting that over time um especially through my journey the way it worked i would hear stuff and i'm like whoa that that's because i don't think there's anything new a lot of times it's not new it's repackaged mm -hmm. somebody else so, you know, um, learning from, from Jim Rohn and learning from Napoleon Hill and, and Clement Stone and um, Norman Vincent Peale and all these, some of the concepts that they had are repackaged and you hear the same type of thing said a different way. And it, for some reason that connects with you. So even the original, you go, eh, that for some reason, I'm not in the space to, to receive that, or I don't like that approach or for, for whatever reason right and so um once you're in a space there's lots of ways to remove weight weight watchers will work mm -hmm. but some people don't resonate with weight watchers for whatever reason they need a different there's now there's thousands of ways to to release weight but the same same concept in terms of mentors and thought leaders certain people i know people that that won't listen to grant because they don't like the delivery they don't like the way he talks or the way he presents or, you know, I know people that won't won't listen to, to John Maxwell, which I can't conceive, but but, you know, they, they, they need something more energetic. It's it, they're less intense. And so the point is, there's lots of ways to put the information out there. What resonates with you? So when you're looking for mentors, you're looking for people that that you can learn from. Sometimes it's a matter of not just the content that's coming but the way it's being delivered. And, and Tony and Grant always, I love that whole smack it in the face, put the skunk on the porch, you know, that whole, you know, this is the way it is. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, great, doesn't really matter. It doesn't change what is it, right? I, I have an appreciation for, for John. I love listening to him and his voice and the way he shares things and story tells and the way he presents is just incredible to me which I thought was really hilarious when I first heard him. I, he was a leadership guru. That's how I was introduced to him. And I was listening to him talk and I'm like, wow, this guy should be a minister. Just listen to him talk, the sound of his voice and the cadence or whatever. And then, then I find out 
Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He he was a pastor for a long time before he was ever into the leadership space. So, you know, some of those things um, being able to resonate, and and so you look at people like Tony or Grant or Zig or like any of those iconic humans, Les Brown, um, any of those people. Lots of times, it's 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 what resonates and how you approach them, right? What you allow to influence you. And sometimes we'll, we're not in a place to allow that, right? Sometimes we, we hear stuff and we go, you know what? I really, I, I, I don't get it. I, I know there's a, there's a guru, but I, for some reason it doesn't connect to me. And then you go back to it multiple years later and you listen to something again, you go, wow, this isn't so bad. I, I, all of a sudden, right? Why is that? It's because you've grown and you're in a different place. And so you hear it again and you're like, wow, you know what? That, that, and vice versa. Right. But but you continue, we continue to grow. So plugging into people like whoever it is, whoever, whoever floats your boat, whoever connects to you. Sorry, there's the 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 uh, water reference uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it, I mean, Tony's amazing, but Grant is amazing. Zig's amazing. They're all incredible humans. It's just who resonates with you. That was a whale of an answer. Let me tell you. That. A whale of an answer. Absolutely. I couldn't help it. You you opened up. <laughs> you you opened it up. Okay. Uh, all right. But you know, I'll tell you the truth. Dealing with all of them. Okay. There there are those that also stuck out with me. I'll tell you one thing. I went to the, the library and I picked up um, the book by John C. Maxwell. It's Twenty One mm. Laws of Leadership. Mm. And I was. Great book. I took it to work that night. And I was reading it and I put it down and someone stole it. Oh. I, so I had to pay the library. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what but, but I'll tell he you. needed so, it more than you did. Evidently, you know, but it, it's, it's, but that just shows you the influence. There were those that recognized gold when they saw it. You know, Absolutely. I try to encourage everyone, uh, especially the young ones, to take time to read as opposed mm-hmm. to watch. Yes. It's just some studies that just came out recently that showed how the, this digital age with the, with the uh, devices and just watching and watching and watching is actually shrinking their brains. So right. it's so important that we do that. And um, individuals like Anthony Robbins, John C. Maxwell, Brian Tracy is another one that, does, yeah. that my wife likes. Uh, all of them brought a whole lot of positive influence and knowledge to sure. the poor, you know. And yeah, sometimes it's pretty much the same pizza served on a different plate, you know. Right, that's but, exactly right. But it's it's, it's, it's important that um, anyone takes the time to get the nourishment, as it were, right. you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So you're also a best-selling author. Tell us about your book. Tell us about, and, and, and then, and then is it fiction or nonfiction? And if, if it's if it's nonfiction, tell us about your upcoming fiction. Hmm. Um, it's uh, the the one book is right there. Um, is spiritual fitness survivor, and that's uh, that particular book was a co-authored book, um, and it went number one bestseller. But it it was a that's a nonfiction. And I tend to write when I tend to write, I tend to write in uh, personal development stuff. So I am in the process of doing a, a marriage book, another co-authored book. 
um, with, with about 11 other authors about um, advice we would give to newlyweds or people that are looking to get married. But again, that's still a, a personal development space. I'm in the process of writing uh, four, it's a series of four books. I couldn't get it all into one or it would be really, really thick book. Um, things that I had learned is sort of the working title at the moment is a letter to my 18 year old self. What would I like to know or would have liked to have been taught when I was in my teens that would have made a massive difference to the rest of my life. Even starting that even almost a decade earlier uh, in that on that personal development journey, what are things that that I need to pay attention to? And I think it's interesting that when we're young, you know, mom and dad don't know anything. And then by the time we get to our mid twenties, we're like, wow, how did mom and dad get so smart so fast? Uh, but we, but we're bulletproof when we're really young. We don't tend to listen to anybody else. We, we complete strangers will say some of the same things our parents have said. And we're like, Oh, they're brilliant. And our parents are like, what are you talking about? I've been talking about that for your whole life. And you didn't, you didn't respond to that. So, you know, it's, it's about putting that information out there in a, in a space that's accessible and in a space that that sort of cuts through all the, at least for me, cuts through all the the red tape. And I, I tend to be a very, and maybe that's why Grant and, and Tony and a few other people resonate with me because I tend to be a, this is the way it is. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, well, that that's still great because it doesn't change what is. I, I can say gravity is crap. It's not real. But if I step off the roof, it's going to affect me, whether I believe in it or not, it doesn't really matter, it isn't going to change the outcome, right? And it's not the fall that's the problem, it's the sudden stop at the end that causes all the issues. But anyway, it's, it's um, I, I need to be able to, to impart that to another generation, impart that to other people. What are things that instead of, I was gifted to, to have a lot of different mentors, and there are programs that pull, pull it all together and, and push it all into one space. And then they put their own flavor on it. Um, I tend to, I went another direction and, and learned it all from the individual people. But now I'm going, okay, I'm going to pull all that together and go, hey, what are, the, what are the nuggets that really resonated with me that made the biggest impact? What are the pieces that, they're, it's all good, but what are the pieces that really, really connected to me out of, whether it's Grant's stuff or it's Tony's stuff or it's it's John Maxwell's stuff, you know, learning things like uh, intention from John Maxwell, intentionally growing, intentionally learning, intentionally not just organically flopping along and sort of we'll figure stuff out. And there's there's a there's a place for that, but if you want to really grow on purpose, grow, you need to do it intentionally. In which case, you're putting yourself out there and, and accessing information that most people don't ac access. I, I find it interesting that less than statistically less than 3% of the population does any kind of personal development. And, and I think it's interesting that when you connect that statistic with another statistic that says more than 90% of college grads. So forget everything below that people that went to extended and higher learning more than 90% of them never pick up a book again, the rest of their life. I think when you put those two things together, they're not reading and they're not doing personal development. That is a recipe for kind of what's happening in the world at the moment where it's all kind of falling apart. No one's taking advantage or, or uh, responsibility for what they're doing or how they're doing it or what they're saying. Or there, It's just nobody's, the bulk of the people are not, because it's too hard. Personal development is hard. It's hard work. It's, it's introspection and saying, hey, you know what? I have warts. I need to get better. They don't want to do that. 
and I'll tell you something too, is, is, is the biggest challenge oftentimes is to confront the mirror within. Mm. You know, agreed. You know, Paul said that um, the man that, that there's the man that kind of looks at himself in the mirror and then he just kind of goes off, you know, yep. just checks himself a little bit. You see, you don't want to look too close. Right. It's the person that really looks at you're willing to confront your own ugliness. Absolutely. You see, you know, yeah. that's one of the things that that um, I try to work with people through because, um, you know, it's amazing. You mentioned the, 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 the college grads that don't read, mm. you know, certain communities do not have a problem with illiteracy, right? Have a problem with illiteracy. And it is sometimes terrible trying to find someone to maintain an intelligent conversation with. You know, unless right. you're talking about unless you're talking about the Bulls or, right. or, or the yep. Cowboys, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But to really get deep and to get an understanding and to and 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 to see some of the 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 underlying connections of human society, mm. you know, it, it it can be uncomfortable for some people. Absolutely. Well, I, I have a sentence I had given my sons. I gave them five sentences, but the one in particular says, uh, the very first one says, I am the only problem I will ever have, and I am the solution, mm. which is, it's extreme ownership. It's saying, you know what? It's not on anybody else. It's not on my ex. It's not on my boss. It's not on my parents. It's not on anybody else. It's on me. And, and a lot of times when I ask people, what's the biggest thing stopping you from being where you want to be or having what you want to have or doing what you want to do or becoming who you want to become? And they go, oh, you know, it, it, all these other things. And I'm like, no, 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 hold on. The only, the only problem you have, the only challenge you have, the biggest problem you have, the biggest challenge is you. Right. Right. And we get in our own way. We stop ourselves from achieving. No one's got a plan to stop us. If we've got a plan to achieve whatever it is we want there's nobody on the planet that's got a, a an agenda to stop you from doing that they don't have a plan to stop you but we allow what people think of us we allow what you know are they going to like me not like me or what their opinion is it doesn't matter what their opinion is it really doesn't it, it's not it's not important what people think go and do and be and and be is a big deal for me it's not because i think sometimes we get stuck doing that's what I was going to ask you next. What is the difference between mm. doing and being? And really, can a person actually do without being or can they actually be without doing? <laughs> Great question, actually. That's an awesome question. The, we get stuck doing. We were taught to do. What am I supposed to be doing? Daydreaming in class when we were children, the teacher was like, hey, stop daydreaming. Do. And I say to my own sons lots of times, hey, because uh, I'll ask them to do something. I know I, they'll say, I know, I know, I know. I'm like, I know, you know, I need you to do. I need you to execute. I, I need you to actually put boots on the ground and do. But, but to a, we, and that's important that we need to do. We need to be able to execute a plan. But I think we, we do that to the exclusion of who we're being. Who, right? So we're not human doings, we're human beings. 
we're who are we being who and i think that's part of the problem with with covid i think that's part of what caused a lot of the challenge because everything was going doing 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 and then it stopped and now we were stuck looking at ourselves in the mirror going okay well this isn't who i thought i was going to be at this age room this is not who i wanted to be and you know what am i becoming and, and all and to your point that we're looking at all these warts and all those things that we don't like and going i don't want to look at that and i won't want to deal with that but i i can't i'm not i don't have the distraction of the doing where i found my identity that's where a lot of people guys in particular but a lot of us find across the board we find our identity in what we do well i'm a car guy or i am an insurance person or i'm a that that's what you do that's not who you are and then we lose our job and we're like who am i i lost my identity right so if we hold our being who we're being and becoming if we hold on to that and anchor it where it belongs and anchor it in a positive place that's not going to shift and and for me that's papa because i know it's, it's not going to shift but if we anchor that properly and understand who we are we'll have no problem showing up 100 and being and becoming and when we have conversations when i have conversations with people i want to know what they do and how they do it for sure but i want to know who they're being i want to know who they're what their dreams are becoming what and then how do i help that how can i help you become and it's a way deeper conversation, right? We, we do it at a, you know, Christmas party, uh, the, the office and the, all the spouses show up and we look around and say, oh, what do you do? What do you do? You know, it, it's all superficial. It all sits on the top. And it really, at the end of the day, doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. If, if an exercise that was always really impactful for me was asking people to write their own eulogy which is a little bit dark, but it's a very powerful thing to do. Why? Because no one ever says, oh, I drove a Mercedes and I had a BMW and I had a 6,000 square foot home. And I, I spent, you know, 80 hours a week at the office that no one ever says that. What do they focus on? People focus on who they were being. When someone writes a eulogy, who were they being? Who did they become? What was their legacy? It's not, it, so it just distracts the doing it has to be there because we actually have to put, put boots on the ground, but, and execute a plan. So that's important. But if we focus on who we're being, the doing takes care of itself. If we focus truly on who I'm supposed to be, the doing is an, as a natural outcropping of who we're being, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You know, my, my uh, slogan for um, Chris's transformational coaching that's my company is that we're all in a state of becoming mm. the challenge or is to be intentional. Absolutely. The outcome. And so Absolutely. that's really what has to happen. Uh, you know, but this is a, almost a tradition that has gone on for centuries because mm -hmm. you think the last name Cooper, that's the person that put the, Copper around the barrels. He made. He worked with the crew. You think about the, the person whose name is Smith, or it could be blacksmith, goldsmith, what have you. The reason why is because that's the work that they did. So right. they were identified by mm -hmm. what they did, and what they did became who they were. Right. But when we sit back now and realize that, yes, our occupation might have a have a certain definition of us but is that all that we are if we are we fathers 
Are we teachers? Are we, uh, are we just, are we brothers and sons? You see? Yeah. Uh, That's so very important that we realize the totality, the full spectrum of who an individual is. Right. And therefore, not one thing can define us other than human being. And our habit is to stay there and be available right. to others, to share with others, and to build with others. Absolutely. You, know, uh, you also you also had, uh, I think you mentioned you had an event coming up. There's a few events coming up. There's one at the end of the month. Uh, is a pop-up event in Maryland mm. that uh, with the Connected Leaders Academy. It's sponsored by the Connected Leaders Academy and Entrepreneur Bookshop. Um, there's, I can put up, a, I think I can put up, if I can figure out how technology works, because I'm not all that technical, but um, I, I, I can text it uh, to you and you can put it up. And, but yeah, that's coming at the end of the month. I think it's three quarters sold out. It's a very small, intimate, intimate group. Uh, probably 30, 35 people, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really inexpensive, five to nine as a, as a pop-up educational thing. There's three incredible speakers. And then I'm keynote um, on that night. So I'm looking forward to flying down to, to uh, DC to, to hang out for that evening. That'll be amazing. And the other speakers are unbelievable. Um, Ed Reed and Dr. Oliver T. Uh, T. So two reads, um, Edward Reed and Dr. Oliver T. Reed and uh jose escobar are the are the other three speakers and they're all absolutely amazing so it'll be a really um vibration lifting for sure uh but it'll be a very 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 good good uh good event in terms of they say there's um you can you can grow in the proximity of greatness so being close to other people that are movers and shakers and, and real high level entrepreneur type people, which is what that audience is and what my, my co-speakers are. And so being close, just being close to them, you hear stuff and you learn stuff and you grow and again, intentionally putting yourself in a space, right? Showing up, not just waiting for it to show up on, on a video or waiting for it to show up on a podcast necessarily, but, but being in the space, right? Uh, part of the, our conversation uh, with you yesterday, Henry, was was being, I was honored to be close and talking and connected to you as, as someone that's a mover and shaker and somebody that's has a huge influence on lots of people. And, and leadership is influence. Uh, that's a John Maxwell thing. Yeah. And right. And so, you know, surrounding ourselves with people that are like that, they say you become the average not the high end, the average of the five people you spend most of your time with, right? right? So I, you know, when I learned that, I had to stop and look around at myself and go, okay, who, who am I spending most of my time with? Because that may have to change. Um, because if I'm not where I want to be, uh, maybe it's who I'm surrounding myself with. And if people are judging you in the circle that you're in, if they're not lifting you up and supporting you a thousand percent to get better and challenging you to get better, Maybe you're in the wrong circle if that's what you want to do. If you want to intentionally grow, then you got to put yourself in a space that'll do that. You know, I have a saying, and it's so true in a way, but a lot of people misconstrue it. I say either you're the lone wolf on the hill or you're the crab in the bucket. Absolutely. And being that lone wolf on the hill is being being willing to climb above to meet your peers. 
Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, so, so you're not necessarily going solo, but you're not with those that are going to just stay down and drag you down and hold you down. Absolutely. You know, I show up yeah. every morning, I show up and people ask me, how are you doing? I say, excellent. Right. And it's, inter it's interesting the reaction that I get because mm -hmm. more often than not, I do, I feel excellent. Okay. Right. You know, I've had my first victory of the day. Yeah. And then I've, and I've done, you know, I, I, I've prayed with my wife and I've, you know, I've, I've taken the long drive. Okay. And yep. even after you wake up out of the days of the long drive, mm -hmm. you know, you know, there are certain things that I'm, I, I'm doing that puts me in a certain mindset. Right. And so, you know, once I'm there, I feel great. I am excellent. Right. And, right. Um, I would say with a person, well, how are you doing? They're like, uh, okay. Mm. Or I would say excellent, and they would actually have a visceral reaction. Right. You know, and, yeah. but there are those that I say excellent and they love. Right. Because, and, and those are the, those because they get what it means to be right. able to operate at that peak state no matter what. Absolutely. Yeah. We used to ask ourselves in the car business, it was something that we did amongst ourselves mm -hmm. that most people didn't understand, but we understood. And one of my backdrops is a, is a railway track. But we used to ask ourselves, are you operating at, are you at one, uh, or pardon me, are you at 212? Mm. And most people don't understand what that is. And, and so 212 is the, is the boiling point of water. And so what they used to do is steam in the back in the day, they would run locomotives, they would run factories with the steam that was created. So you could be 209, which is really, really hot, but it's not creating enough steam to run optimally. It'll run some of something, but it may not do it optimally. So we would ask each other, are you at 212? Meaning, are you running full optimally? Steam. Are you full steam, right? Are you full, full steam? steam? Are you excellent, right? Are you are you embraced and and all out for for the day and it was just sort of a way to sort of calibrate for ourselves hey you know what i'm doing good but i may not be at at 212 i need i need to ramp it up i need to throw some more logs on the fire to get the, the temperature to go up so you know at our meetings this is and this is another question i had for you at okay. our christian meetings uh it's not uncommon to see all of us uh at our christian meetings you know hug i hug everybody but now, what what's what is the best way to hug? Because right? I because because I, I heard you have a a, a hug technique. So <laughs> I want you to throw that to us now. You know, I might have to try that out. Absolutely. So I mean, hugging at all is is better than no hug. So if it's happening at all, great thing. And I'm a huge hugger. Um, I love hugging, and I think again, COVID stopped that from a lot of people. So that contact's not there, and so. Uh, the, the, for me, like I say, hugging at all is, is good for me, the best way to hug. And if you watch people hug, typically, if I go to hug you, I'll take my head to your left is the way we normally do it. If you watch people hug on movies and, and in real life, and we do it ourselves, we tend to go that way. And I think it's because that's the way we shake hands. It's to that side of our body, right? Guys do the macho thing where they grab hands and bump shoulders and whatnot, but on that side, Right. If we go the other way, so if I go to hug you and I take my head to the right side of your head, when we go to connect and we hug, 
we're now heart over heart. And anybody that understands how energy works, and even if they don't, they, it, there's, a, there's an exchange of energy from our hearts because they're right over top of one another. The, so I couple that with a hug that's more than 20 seconds. So they say there's therapeutic, provable, scientifically provable therapeutic properties that happen when you hug somebody longer than 20 seconds. Why? Because there's endorphins that are released that are raise you up and lift your mood. And so when I, I hug people nice and tight over the heart, and then you feel them relax, like they're going to let go. And I just don't let go. And they're like, audibly, I, I can't tell you the number of people I hear. Oh, a real hug, a real hug, because it's not something that they maybe they haven't felt in forever. Maybe it was something that reminds them of their grandparents or reminds them of being a child. Some of them have never had that kind of a hug ever. And they don't know what to do with it because they're like, they get uncomfortable holding on to each other for that long because it's not something natural. It's not something that, that they understand. The weird part is though, as we step away from each other, they, they look at me and will outright say, I don't know why that was an amazing hug. Why was that such a good hug? And it's because of the technique. It's because they don't understand energy that transferred and they don't understand that the endorphins that were released in them by holding on to them and the, they, they felt cared for and loved, not on a, I want you love, but a human being love, just, just a regular, you give a crap about me in, in a way that most people do not do. And so, you know, I hug him. I get people that come back that know me that, that they see me at an event or whatever. Uh, I had a guy, <laughs> a presenter was running his workshop and he said it was like i forget how many couple hundred people in front of me he's like if you want a good hug you hunt down gordon melville because he'll give you a great hug and, and there was a bunch of people in the room they're like yeah get a hug from gore because it's just it's it's different right it's it's something that connects and and being aware of our energy and how we're impacting people around us is a is a big deal for me so trying to leave they may not remember what i say but they'll always remember how I made them feel. And I think that's the same for all of us. They may not remember what we said to them, but they will absolutely remember how we made them feel. Absolutely. You know, it's so vital. We lose that. We lost that importance, the importance of touch. When, mm -hmm. um, when I was being trained in, in uh, recreate therapy, activity therapy with, with a gerontology uh, focus, mm -hmm. one of the things they really stressed in dealing with residents in nursing homes, individuals in hospice was touch, touch. was the embrace. Absolutely. So, you know, um, it's, Powerful. Not, it's not uncommon to sit, to, to see um, the, the older ones, okay, in their wheelchairs, and they will just sit and hold hands with you mm. and, and talk. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, and, and, it's, and, um, Oftentimes we're so busy, like you said, we kind of bump shoulders. That's the macho thing to do. Right. But um, one of the things I used to love about coming down to see my dad's family was those big hugs. There were some big people. And so mm. when they gave you a big hug, they, you know, yep. you were pretty much swallowed up. Absolutely. Awesome. So Bear good, hugs. You know, it felt so good. Well, mm. let's. Um, you are indeed such an amazing individual. And uh, mm. it's, 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 Wonderful to talk with you. We will be talking all night long if we don't stop somewhere along the way. And we haven't even touched on whether you like to kayak 
or do you or you or, or hunt manatees or do you just go after the white whale itself? We don't. We haven't even gotten to that one yet. But I do have one last question I ask all of my all of my guests, and so I'm going to ask you with everything that you do with Jewel, with your with your entrepreneurial coaching, helping men deal with toxic toxic masculinity and 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 working through that with your experiences with, with Anthony Robbins, Grant Cardone, Zig Ziglar, and John Maxwell. I would ask you, Gordon D. Melville, what does it mean for you to crush your mountain? Great question. And, and you know what? I, I've been thinking a lot about that since we talked yesterday. And um, it's, it's, it depends, I think, on what the mountain is. And so, you know, part of my, my deal in the last seven years has been health-related. So crushing that mountain in terms of being able to be on a mountaintop and go, you know what? All right. So I wouldn't have done that on my own. Papa will have helped me get there or, or made that possible, which is a, would be a monster huge thing because it would allow me to, to be even more effective at what I'm doing and spend more time doing the things I love to do. Uh, I think crushing a mountain from the sense of once I make it to the top of a mountain, I can see the other mountains and I can see the other things that I need. Okay. So I couldn't see that from the Valley. All I can see is the mountain that's right there. So once I get up to the top of that mountain, crush that mountain, then it becomes, all right, what are the other mountains? What are the other things I can see that I'm like, okay, well, the, the, all these things are possible. What's the next thing? What's the, where, where I want to see the next step. And once I get to the top of that mountain, I can see farther again. And so continuing always continuing to have that um i've always been a goals guy but i think there's three steps to that so reverse engineering it from what my mission or for me what my vision is for my life what does and again i go back to the eulogy what what do people what do i want to leave as a legacy of my life what does that vision look like and then writing it down making sure it's clear crystal crystal clear this is my mission for my life this is the vision for my life. And then reverse engineering it and going, okay, so what's the vehicle I'm going to use as my definite major purpose to get to that vision? And so, you know, I sit down and again, having that definite major purpose be crystal, crystal clear. This is, this is what I'm going to do. So for me, part of that is the radio show, TV show, and podcast. That's part of that, that uh, definite major purpose that's going to help me get to my vision. But once I back that up, even a definite major purpose, I back that up, it becomes really easy now to set goals because those goals are the mini steps I'm going to get to. The mini steps I take up that mountain, I may not be able to see the top of the mountain as I go up, but I can see the next few steps. And I take those steps, I can see a little further and I go up a little further and I can take some more steps. So those goals are the mini things that get me to my definite major purpose. Wow. And so, um, being able to share that with people, you know, to your point about, you know, um, uh, being excellent and, and putting that kind of a positivity out. When I say to people sometimes, hey, how are, you, how are you doing? And they're like, well, I'm all right under the circumstances. And I'm like, what are you doing under there? Like, really, truly, what are you doing under there? And, and it, it goes to that whole concept of what am I leaving for other people? What does crushing that mountain because uh, I think it's not just a one one off. It's not a one piece, and then I, I can I can settle down and I'm content with where I am. I don't have to push anymore. 
And and I think we we start to die if we do that. We need to be we need to be absolutely grateful about where we are and what we have and what we've achieved, but not content so that we continue to push forward. It doesn't mean we're, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a sense that, well, I'm just, I'm always at angst. That's not what I mean. Be, be grateful about where we are, right? Our uh, people have said to me, because I've been not well, that that's not good. And you have to struggle with that. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I do. But I'll guarantee you there's millions of people in Ukraine at the moment that would swap positions with me in a heartbeat so that they'll take whatever pain I got, whatever illness I got, they'll take all of that because to have peace of mind, to know that they don't have to worry about getting shot or bombed or killed or their family or their friends or their kids or whatever. And so again, it's the perspective we're using. What, what kind of a lens are we using to look at the situation? And, and whether I'm crushing my goals, crushing my goals is something that Zig taught me to, to, to stop talking <laughs> was one of the big things Zig said was I can have whatever I want as long as I help enough other people get what they want. And so crushing my mountain means helping other people get what they want because that will give me what I'm looking for and what I want. Um, I, I hope that answers the question. No, no, every question, every answer is the, is the right answer when it comes to that question. And I value that. I think that you summed it up very nicely in saying, indeed, helping other individuals get what they want, helping them to achieve their goals. Well, that's what we all do. That's what I try to do. And so I really want to thank you so much for being on here. Uh, friends, this is not the only game in town, but you, if, if you missed it or you just want to learn, watch it again, we're going to have this replay uh, posted on YouTube shortly. So make sure you're there. Um, we're going to, um, you can find him. He has a great website and we're going to put the, that in the show notes. We're going to put all of his information available for you in the show notes. We might even leave a link to, 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 to the uh, sequel to Moby Dick, which he will be writing eventually. Uh, you know, in, yeah. Yeah. so. Don't hold your breath. I don't want you to be passed out in the corner. <laughs> well, that was a joke, folks. Just kidding. Okay. But, as we always say, listen, we want to thank you again, Gordon, for being here. We're going to look forward to more from you, and we hopefully will get a chance to join you at the summit up there in D.C. and in, in a few weeks. And friends, like I always say, don't just climb your mountain, crush through it. Hmm. See you next time. Thanks a lot, then, Gordon. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Crush Your Mountain. Remember, we deal with health, wellness, and personal growth. And each week, we will have a guest featuring one of those categories. If you would like support in losing weight, reversing type 2 diabetes, or dealing with a specific challenge in your life that you just need the support or help you get through, feel free to reach out by means of Instagram, where you'll find me at Diabetes Weight Loss Henry Gaskins, or Crush Your Mountain Hankster OG. Subscribe to my Crush Your Mountain YouTube channel where you'll see bonus content featuring an eclectic array of guests. Join my Facebook group where I go live each week and get behind the version of this episode that you're listening to right now. Finally, for a free session with me personally, DM me on Instagram. Call or text me at 434-218-1198. That's 434-218-4198. I am Henry Gaskins, Certified Health and Life Coach 
public speaker, educator, and this is Crush Your Mountain Podcast. And remember, don't just climb your mountain, crush it. See you next time.